My mom grew up in, part, in a part of Korea that was evangelized by the evangelicals. So she was a Korean Presbyterian from when she was wee high. And when she came to the States, she continued to be a Korean Presbyterian and then a Korean Baptist. So Catholics were a bit of a novelty to her. And when, still, when she talks about people, if they are Catholic, this juicy little nugget will always work its way into conversation. You remember Grace's mom. They're Catholic, you know. Or I met someone the other day. They're Catholic. They have a car for sale. <laughs> it's rarely subtle and almost always something that is important enough to call out. One of her Korean coworkers many years ago was a Catholic. My mom's tradition never included fasting. So when she started working with Sue, this was a sort of religious novelty. There are many ways to fast. For most people, it is some kind of limitation. No chocolate or sweets, no meat, or only broth or fish on Fridays. Sue's version was that she wouldn't eat Korean food. <laughs> on fast days, she would suffer and subsist on American cuisine. <laughs> Since it wasn't what she would eat at home, she didn't know how to cook it and was not interested in learning. So it was always the worst American fare, cheap, fast, and greasy. And then all day she would hold her belly, and she probably was feeling bad, she would hold her belly, moan about how bad she felt, and tell every client how hungry she was, and how she was Catholic, and today was a fast day. I suspect that my mom did a full body eye roll every time. My mom has no poker face. This dichotomy of eating greasy American instead of Korean food and calling it a fast for Jesus mostly just reinforced my mom, for my mom, that Catholics are not her kind of people. For the record, she also considers me a Catholic, and this all kind of weirds her out. <laughs> Isaiah wasn't talking about my mom's Catholic coworker, but he was commenting on people who fasted like her. Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Fasting shouldn't be some demonstration of one's piety. It shouldn't be the billboard projection of what a good and or religious person someone is. And it certainly shouldn't excuse abusive behavior. Isaiah is responding here to people who are mad that God is not responding to their devotion. They feel the absence of God lost in the darkness while they wait for their prayers to be answered. And they feel like they're doing the right things, fasting and praying. If I am doing what I'm supposed to, why isn't God answering my prayers? Nearly 3,000 years later, we don't have to look hard to find modern comparisons to empty piety. How many times have politicians and news anchors offered thoughts and prayers? On Thursday, Tyree Nichols' family laid him to rest. 
Tyree was 29 when he was stopped by the Memphis police for driving erratically. Did you see the footage? I'm always torn when these videos come to light. These videos of police speeding, often black men. I don't want to watch and see and feel. I want to trust the horror of the people around me and know that it was really terrible. And I feel obligated to witness, to not look away from suffering at the hands of the police paid for with my tax dollars, a system that I am complicit in. I watched Tyree Nichols' brutal beating because I felt like I had to. It made me sick and angry and hopeless. What's the answer? How do we make sure this doesn't happen again? And what do I, a priest, have to say about policing? Well, a lot, but probably nothing helpful. So thoughts and prayers, right? And when it happens next time, I will be devastated then, too. We watch the videos and cry and pray and wait for God to show up. Isaiah is talking to people who feel adrift, who are engaging in the rituals of their tradition and are struggling because they feel only God's absence. Devotion is about getting closer to God, about removing obstacles to the relationship with the one who created us. But the prophet says, it's about more than posturing. Isaiah reorients the people. Individual prayer in devotion is important, but the kind of worship that God wants is justice. So fast from the bonds of injustice and the yoke of oppression. Share bread with the hungry, bring homeless poor into our houses, and cover the naked. God doesn't want you to spend a day hungry. God wants us, all of us, to work together to bring about the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. It's not complicated, but also not easy. So God sent us each other, each of us a unique expression of God's perfection, all of us together the body of Christ. And that is how we find our way to God, by recognizing the divine in each other. The people in this room the people who don't feel worthy of being here, and the people who have been wounded in buildings like this one by people like us, the poor, the hungry, those whose names we don't know or struggle to pronounce, the people who have different hair or skin color than us, or work jobs that don't allow them to be here at church on a Sunday morning, the people who are too wealthy to need church, the people who would make fun of how we are spending this Sunday morning, the people who have the power and means to wage wars, the people who deserve justice as much as you and I. Isaiah's call 3,000 years ago comes for us still. The failures that led to Tyree Nichols' death are many and will take time to resolve. I hope that we remember that as we pray and act and that we don't blame God for not showing up, but we keep on. It is our work to do, and it will be hard. But this kind of brutality, the explosion of hatred, is the worst expression of injustice that is all around. There are vast disparities around basic human rights, education, healthcare, housing, nutrition, and recreation, as if some of us are more deserving than others. 
and that affects all of us, disproportionately the underprivileged, but we all suffer when even one person is in need. Archbishop Desmond Tutu taught many of us the word Ubuntu, which roughly translated means, I am because we are. My humanity is intrinsically linked with yours. In the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is praying, preaching to the crowds, he tells them and us, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. There are many places where he is talking to individuals. Here he is talking to a crowd. You are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. This is a call to action. Without, without salt, food is bland and tasteless. Jesus is challenging us to keep our saltiness to enhance the world around us. This is how we join with God, how we find our way to and with God. If we didn't stop at thoughts and prayers, but took a moment to dab our tears and get to work, I wonder what we could show the world about the love of God. We are the salt of the earth. We are one body called to think and pray and act. Let us not fast individually from Korean food, but collectively from injustice and oppression. Let us worship by sharing bread and housing and clothing, because when we do, Isaiah foretold, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. Amen.